and welcome to another episode of the Gobeski Wallace Report. My name is Charlie Wallace. And I'm Adam Gobeski. And we have with us three, I was going to say three-tastic, but then I realized I said three. So now I just, it's 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 an onion. Just lots of threes happening. Uh, anyway, three guests, um, ironically. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Oh, I, I, or I, ironically, if you will. We're not supposed to talk until he introduces us. <laughs> Couldn't oh. leave out the ironically. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so then Paul Wilcox. It's it's great to be here. <laughs> Anthony Huff. It's Buttigieg to be here. <laughs> and Doug Gobeski. Bernie won Iowa. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, no, Booker won Iowa. Prove oh, me no. wrong. <laughs> Booker won Iowa. <laughs> I'm with Adam on this one. I'm with Man. him. Wow. Uh, and we're talking about the 39th installment of our Merry Marvel Movie March. It's time for 2013, boys. And Brian, if you're listening, and maybe if there are any other non-boys listening. Anyway, it's time for early May 2013 and Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3 is, of course, the third chapter in the Iron Man trilogy. It stars one Dennis Iron Man who is still trying to get the rights to the Iron Mansion. But this time he's thwarted by a man named, what's his name? Eh, whatever. It's Dennis. probably like Adrian or something. <laughs> no, Mandarin. <laughs> yeah, no. So it's man Adrian. Yo, Yo Mandarin. Yeah, so he challenges uh, Dennis to a dance-off for the fate of the Iron Mansion. And Dennis says you have no legal reason to do that. And like, why are you even here? And he says, Oh, don't I? And then he shows a contract that Dennis signed drunkenly at new year's Eve, 1999. That says, I allow M Adrian, uh, to challenge me to a dance off for the iron mansion at any point in, in my life, even though I don't know what the iron mansion is at this point. He literally wrote that out cause he was drunk. So he was like, well, I can't, go back on my on my legally binding contract as it turns out so they have a dance off for four hours and uh, it ends in a draw <laughs> you mean at the point at which the mansion is destroyed <laughs> and, a four hour dance off ends in a draw and uh so oh, they they agree oh. to take joint custody of the mansion <laughs> classic so the second half of the movie involves dennis realizing that when they split the mansion in two, the fridge is on Man Adrian's side. So he has to figure out a way to get over to the fridge without Man Adrian getting mad at him. It's two hours long, that, that half of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> How could it be two hours long if it's half of the movie, Charlie? It's obviously five hours. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Basic math. <laughs> I didn't count the three hours that I was sleeping. <laughs> or the character was also sleeping. <laughs> Well, that's why he turns to the audience and says, I'm going to take a real-time three-hour cat nap right now, so if you want to join me, feel free. I'll set an alarm so we all wake up at the same time. <laughs> Did I get that about right, Charlie? That that seems like what I what I saw. Although what I recall is that this is the third installment in the <laughs> Iron Man trilogy. Uh, Iron Man, played by Robert Downey Jr., is going through some PTSD as a result of the events of the movie, The Avengers, including, I guess, crossing into a different dimension. The dimension? I thought it was just a wormhole. Just, uh, just new, a wormhole. New part of space. Okay. Some unexplained events that have expanded his horizons. But uh, back in 1999, at a New Year's Eve party, he kind of tricks Aldrich Killian, played by Guy Pierce, into hang out on a roof by himself which causes aldrich to become an evil genius over the course of 13 years and while iron man is going through these ptsd like symptoms sorry these ptsd symptoms uh I'm confused because uh the the person i think it was the kid specifically asked tony if he had ptsd and tony said no well he's in denial also um let's start this over charlie you get three sentences okay this is the third movie in the Iron Man trilogy. Uh, guy Pierce plays the bad guy who was once spurned by Robert Downey Jr., becomes an evil genius, and creates a fake terrorist called the Mandarin, played by Ben Kingsley, and kidnaps Gwyneth Paltrow, who plays Pepper Potts. Also featuring Don Cheadle 
as War Machine slash Iron Patriot. Good enough. All right. <laughs> yeah, that was well. Yeah. Oh, man, that was. I couldn't do that. John yeah, Favreau spends the entire movie in a coma. No, don't, no, 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 don't talk about that. We don't, we don't talk about John Favreau. Okay. <laughs> Not since the Jungle Book. What? Well, Paul and I at the beginning were like, "Who is this guy that has the John Travolta hair?" Well, that was a, that was some that was that was John Favreau in the beginning. That was him. Yeah. Oh, at the big. Be- oh, yeah. Well, it's nineteen ninety nine. At the very. At oh, the, that was him in different. Yes, and so we don't like talking about him now after we realized that that was him. Uh, but I guess Paul didn't. Realize. I never made that connection. Never. I thought we. Were, I thought wow. we hadn't answered that question. No, we did. I, I was did. like, "What are you talking about? You think they're the same guy? Then no way. No, <laughs> I just didn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, "Oh, Tony's wrongly, wrongfully assuming that they're the same guy. And I'm just gonna let that, let that ride. Let that ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Tony has no idea who John Favreau is. How are you coming to that conclusion? They're played by the same actor. Not good enough. Director of Iron Man and Iron Man Two, my favorite movies ever. <laughs> But not Iron Man 3. Discuss Spoilers this. for the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm spoiling the podcast now? You're, you're spoiling this piece of media oh. for itself. Yeah, so uh, as as Tony said, uh, John Favreau is not back to direct Iron Man 3. Uh, I think he just was decided, like, yeah, two movies, I'm done. So they got in Shane Black. Uh, who also directed movies such as The Nice Guys. But it sounds like production-wise, like things went pretty smoothly. Like he got in his people and they made a script and they filmed it and it was all hunky-dory. Sorry, I don't, I don't think there was any real drama happening. Oh, yeah, I guess we should talk a little bit about just that. So the uh, the bulk of this movie is based on a mid-2000s comic book story arc called Extremis. Uh, written by Warren Ellis, which I'm assuming is why the president here is named Ellis. Well, I think the uh, the idea that the Mandarin is a front is uh, is unique to this movie, or maybe not unique, but like new to this movie. So had you seen it before, Rollo Tony Browntown? Yes. Look at you. Must for, be that Robert Downey first. Jr. But that was, well, it was only because I'd seen it in 2019, probably like November. Uh, when so you got Disney Plus? Yes. And they were like, let me watch the Marvel movies on here. Pretty much. Yeah. So that's going to be a, a a thing for me for the next uh, couple of uh, uh, MCU movies. Paul, what about you? Uh, I had seen it on video 2015 or 16, somewhere around there. But just once. Doug, how about you? Um, I saw it way back when it was first in theaters. And that was it. Charlie, have you seen it before? So before I watched it this time, I would have told you no. But after watching the movie <laughs> and having remembered every single moment of it, I must have at some point watched this movie. I don't remember when. I don't remember where. But I've definitely seen it before. Was it with uh, Sam? Because uh, I that know at one familiar. point you said he you said he was trying to get you to watch it, and you were like, ah, that that may have been it. I can't really think of any other reason I would have. I think you got it. Unless Kara was watching it while you were sleeping and you just absorbed it. That's that's also possible. So many explanations. Seems less likely, but. <laughs> it's Adam. Had you seen it? Yeah, it's my usual MCU story. I saw it in theaters, bought the Blu-ray, saw it, then watched it at least one more time. Because for a while, right, there were enough movies where it was okay to watch the previous movies to gear up for the next one that's gotten a little unwieldy at this point you have to kind of say well i'm just going to start at phase three or whatever right and oh yeah p.s this is the official start of phase two cool so yeah i'd seen it a number of times and you know my opinion hasn't really changed which is generally positive i'll leave it at that for spoilers i'm not a i'm not a tony hoff trying to spoil the end of this podcast (laughs) (laughs) well maybe if you convince me but all right, guys. I guess it's going to be a ten. So, okay. <laughs> what you're ah, giving it? You're giving it ten? Wow. Yeah. Ooh. Ten percent. I can't ten, believe Adam. Ten falling flight attendants out of ten. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Charlie, where would you like to start? Okay, so this is our phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What exactly is phase two? Is it clear at this point what that means? Is it clear ever what that means? Yeah, it's just the next set of movies leading up to the big event. 
Yeah. All right, we're all, so phase we're, one is the is the movies leading up to Avengers. So phase two, these are the movies leading up to the next big movie, which is Avengers two. And I think they know that at this point. Are the events of this movie important to the movies to come? Yeah, you're completely focusing on the wrong thing here. This is what you do. You like <laughs> to focus on all the movies that are not the one currently being discussed. <laughs> Why is phase two what you focused on? Why is this always your focus? Watch the damn movie. <laughs> Yeah, Charlie, Charlie, there's explosions happening on screen. Do they not catch your attention? Charlie, they did talk about S.H.I.E.L.D. in this movie. They did. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Zero out of ten. (laughs) I love that Charlie is embracing his his hatred for S.H.I.E.L.D. You guys have given him no other option. Oh, I know. (laughs) We've given him the option to recant. Start over, Charlie. What do you got? Talk about the movie. Tony Stark is using his free time at night where he can't sleep to build as many Iron Man suits as possible. Uh, I assume this is all like a an Easter egg for different Iron Man suits that have come in different comic versions over the years. Is that true? I mean, yes, but that's not the reason he's doing it. Well, sure. But... Is this to sell toys? What do you think, Adam? <laughs> What do I think about what? <laughs> Where a proper place to start would be? Yeah. What? Why? Why he's he's making all those Iron Man suits? Because he's got PTSD. He doesn't want to go to sleep. Because when he closes his eye, he sees New York. I think it's an obsession. Well, yeah, it's also that. Oh, okay, good. The coping oh, I, I didn't real. I didn't exactly. realize that you would agree with me. Okay. No, I I agree with Sorry. you. On that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the Charlie's Wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, you disagreed with me on the the obsession thing. I said it was just a healthy hobby. Yeah, we, we should we shouldn't shame people for being dedicated to their hobbies. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it ended up being okay at the end. It, if we can if we can spoil the. It's end. what saved um, the world. Yeah, what with the <laughs> the fireworks at the end there, so that he could make out with a straight woman. Uh, Pay no attention to the metal shrapnel raining down upon us as we enjoy these fireworks. <laughs> yeah, they don't talk about the metal shrapnel, do they? They don't show it. They just, you know, they just they show fireworks, but they don't. Yeah. They just assume that all that metal was just vaporized into nothing. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was uh, healed from any injuries by Extremis. And we already saw the uh, scene at the end where they were removing shrapnel from Tony Stark. They just did it during that. Mm. I was just hoping to see some raining down during that scene. Spoilers for the latter part of the movie slash podcast. This may be one of the worst podcasts ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So one thing that I enjoyed uh, about the Iron Man trilogy is in the first movie, he punches a hole through the roof and uh, I think through another floor and like smashes a car, you know. But this is this is easily fixed damage. The second movie, he he gets in essentially a superhero punch out with War Machine, destroying a large portion of the Iron Mansion, whatever we're calling it. And in this movie, it just gets annihilated with missiles and gunfire. So I I really like the the escalation of the uh, recurring joke there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's clearly <laughs> intentional at that point. <laughs> Yeah, it's a running joke. I guess let's talk a little bit about Tony's PTSD as portrayed in this movie. What'd you guys think? Like, yeah, I guess I don't know enough about it to know whether it was accurate portrayal or not. I mean, do you think it? uh, there were times where I'm like, maybe it's just kind of using this as a plot device and not taking it seriously enough. But then again, maybe, you know, these flashes he's having are accurate enough. So I don't know if anybody else had any thoughts on that, too. Um. I'm kind of inclined to say using it as a plot device uh, instead of taking it seriously, because that's kind of what they did with the veterans who were amputees. I didn't mind the PTSD stuff. I thought the anxiety attack stuff was portrayed reasonably well in that. Right. I mean, this is what happens when you have an anxiety attack. Suddenly you can't focus. Right. Yeah. Sudden. Yeah. Um, And yes, while it's a plot device, um, I'm going to do the thing that I just yelled at you about and talk about other movies. <laughs> um, it's a plot device that extends through more or less just about the rest of the MCU, at least as far as Tony Stark goes. So 
right? It's it's not like oh, then we did Iron Man three, and then mm-hmm. I solved it, guys. I'm better now, right? That's not really what happens. So, oh, I guess I appreciate yeah, that. But, yeah, that's. I was worried that it's just oh, he fixed it by the mm-hmm. end of the movie. Yeah, you kind of get that impression. Yeah, if I remember correctly, he's. We won't really see anxiety attacks again, but we will see obsessive behavior related to it, and I think that's incorporated in it. And that's similar to the obsessive behavior that he has here with building all the Iron Man suits and stuff. It's just the focus is going to shift slightly. Speaking of what Doug was talking about, I also kind of almost got that feeling. Again, it's not feeling fully uncomfortable with a lot of this, but almost getting the feeling with the, the amputees where they're portrayed as people who couldn't possibly think of anything better than getting their limbs back. They're broken people and like there's nothing they want more than this. I guess and then I just thought to myself, well, I guess there are people who do feel that way. Not all amputees feel that way, or where the vice president is like, I willing to betray my entire country and everything we stand for so that my daughter can have a leg again. Right? It's I was just feeling like, well, that doesn't really feel necessarily true, but I guess it could be true for some people. Right. That's sort of the way I saw it was like yeah, that may not be true for everyone, but everyone doesn't matter. They specifically found the people for who that did matter. Right, yeah. And, you know, maybe the vice... I wouldn't be surprised if the vice president hadn't actually talked to his... Is it his daughter? Did they actually explicitly say... Well, I don't know say, if they said specifically. Relative Somebody some he cares sort, about. Yeah. Or, yeah, right. Like, he, he may not have actually talked to her and been like, are you cool with this? And she would have been like, what? Get out of here. <laughs> like, well, they've got technology now. You killed how many people? Right. So I'm willing to believe You killed that, Uncle Alice. <laughs> that she, that while he may have felt that way because, you know, they, they, found, they found that that was his weak spot, right? That she may not have felt the same way. In fact, I... Obviously, the film doesn't go one way or the other with her opinion, but I would have been kind of surprised if she had been like, oh, yeah, let's do it. Do it, paternal figure. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I guess that's all just a long way of saying that that didn't bother me because the implication wasn't that it was all people like that. It was just they found people who were willing to do it. Movie definitely gave me the impression of like we're starting to get to the period where the writers, producers, directors might think of these sorts of things and they're trying to veer away from them, but not quite. Where they're like, oh, well, I guess you kind of averted that as a problematic moment. So yeah, I ultimately wasn't really bothered by it, but it did come to mind. Oh, I just, I had a far, I I thought something was not necessarily problematic, but an interesting choice that stuck out to me far more than, than they did. And that was just that this movie came out in 2013 and they filmed it in 2012 and i was i was slightly surprised that the president was white oh yeah yeah like i i can understand not trying to have him be obama but it it was just the fact that we're in the middle of the obama presidency at this point and it feels like a weird step back to go like oh hey old white guy's president like if they you know had like a, a woman president instead like i could have understood that if they just wanted to have you know, a different African-American and call him Alice. Like I could have understood that. Yeah. I see what you're talking about, Adam, but I hadn't really thought of that either. Yeah. That just stuck out to me. It's just like, huh, that's an interesting decision. But the, the big thing that I was worried about, Adam or Doug, you're gonna have to give us back on the comics. Oh man. Is this more shield bullshit? No, it's not. It's that I knew that the uh, villain was supposed to be the Mandarin in this. And I didn't really know about the comics. I assumed that that was, is he sort of like a Fu Manchu sort of villain from a long time ago? So that I was kind of like, oh, and I saw Ben Kingsley on screen and I'm like, oh no, what's this going to be? Oh, I see where this is going. That is completely fair. Yeah. Which I'm sure a lot of people were thinking before the movie came out too. Yeah. I think because I now, I I know what the twist is, right? That doesn't even register to me because I know it's fake. Although there is the weird moment at the end where Killian's like, I did everything. I'm the Mandarin. And we're like, yeah, okay, sure you did. <laughs> Especially because, spoiler alert for the future, but there's an upcoming Mandarin movie where it's really the Mandarin. That's uh, that's one of the Phase 4 movies. We only got one year to wait until uh, Mandarin's back, guys. Uh, and wait, 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 wait. When you say Mandarin's back, 
Is it going to be the Ben Kingsley Mandarin, or is it going to be a different Mandarin? A uh, different Mandarin. Uh, looks like it's Tony Lund. Oh, oh. oh he's a... Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, he's in tons of stuff. He was in Hard Boiled. He's in Hero. Uh, Chunkin Express, In the Mood for Love. Yeah, he's done... He's done lots of stuff. So, yeah. So the other thing that struck me when the Mandarin first started talking was the same thing I think that struck Tony Stark, which was, wait, there's something not right going on here. And I'm surprised the president of the United States and his entire uh, intelligence apparatus didn't pick up on it either, which is like, okay, where's this guy from? Like, basically none of like, why is he a terrorist? Look, they put one guy on the problem, Colonel Rhodes. (laughs) <laughs> and that should have been enough, right? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, honestly. What more right? did you want it, them to do? It does kind of feel like their focus was more on where he was than who he was. And there's also the brief line about how he got like plastic surgery, right? So he wouldn't presumably therefore look so, slightly yeah. different from, from caged heat Tony Slattery. <laughs> yeah we also watched the the marvel one shot all hail the king which ties in with the end of iron man 3 mm. so what everybody think of sir ben kingsley he's a lot of fun yeah i agree with he that. was possibly the most entertaining part of this movie i'd, I'd agree with that he reminded me a lot of like murray from flight of the concords you know <laughs> <Pretty starry. laughs> yeah like it's just it's like a lot of just like humor and and that's what he was when Tony Stark kind of met with him. We were just like, this is a bumbling buffoon who has no idea what's going on. I will say, though, that I think before you learn that twist, he actually does a really good job of seeming like threatening. Yes. And, and the I, movie does a good job of maintaining that sort of illusion. I will say the first time that I watched this uh, movie, I had no idea that he was not the bad person or whatever. I yeah. totally believed it. I, I, I 100% believed it. Yeah. yeah so I, I thought he I was second great. that. Yeah, absolutely. But he also does a really good job of just like doing the switch of like, where you can sort of, you can tell like, Oh, he was just acting. And then he's also, he's just really like drugged out of his mind. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and, it's, <laughs> he's like actor. And then, Oh, this is a person who has a crippling substance abuse uh, issue. Right. <laughs> hey, he fell asleep from all the opiate. So. Yeah. <laughs> How does he fall asleep with a gun pointed at him? It's been a tiring day. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Probably heroin. Heroin. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, guys. Uh, Charlie Charlie wants to complain about something. Yeah. Here's... Oh, oh, Shield's not in this week, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's just doubling down on a complaint I already had, which is that, wait, so why did he have that CEO of the oil company that they said that they shot, but they didn't really? Was that a real person? Did they not check to see whether that was a real person who got kidnapped? He wasn't CEO. He was just some accountant. Right. Oh, uh, he was an accountant. Okay. So uh, I know I'm scared, right? Makes more sense now. Right. But they didn't follow up. Yep. <laughs> My guess is that they, so either he's also an actor or they just kidnapped him and they were just holding him okay, or yeah, possibly yeah. they then subs, they subsequently kill him off stage or whatever. Right. Like I could see that happening. Right. Cause like Trevor says, like they don't let him play with real guns. Oh, so obviously right, yeah. he doesn't kill him, Yeah, yeah. but they could still like, you know, subsequently kill him. Like that seems like the sort of thing killing would do guns or he just works for them too. So. Yeah, guns don't kill people. The Mandarin kills people. <laughs> yes, I just keep th- every time we talk about the Mandarin, I just keep thinking of the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. Like they're, they're gonna, oh. there's, there's, there's the Mandarin. Eight episodes out on Disney Plus. It's all about the Mandarin. <laughs> Are you when you get uh, a time. I'm sure it'll like, happen. Hey, Are you getting some hey. kickbacks here, Paul? You know, there there might be a crossover between the Star Wars universe and the <laughs> MCU, yeah, right? Yeah, John Favreau, yeah. He's going to show up in the multiverse of madness. Well, right. so here we go, right? So at one point in the past, and also currently, Marvel owned the Star Wars comic book license. And so they produced a whole bunch of original Star Wars comics. I mean, they still do now, but now it's under Disney, blah, 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 whatever. Right. But the point is that at one point, I think all the various Marvel comics got spun into what Doug was saying. It was like, there's a multiverse. And so some happened on Earth, you know, 616. That's the main continuity. And some happened on like Earth 199.99 or whatever. Right. 
this is a long way of saying you joke, but it could happen. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I totally see it now, but 10 years, <laughs> 20 years down the road, I can the see four, it. The fourth Star Wars trilogy ends up being a bunch of Marvel movies. <laughs> well, but it will be like it'll it will be like revisiting Iron Man and stuff, and so then Robert Downey Jr. will be able to like reprise his role. Oh Parts my gosh! Evans will reprise his role. I don't want this. No, are they going to use the uh, Princess Leia technology? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. Don't don't give them ideas. But you, it's already in their brains, oh. and they'll be like, "Oh, and at one point, uh, Thanos had the reality stone, so we can just like snap into whatever, and then it's that's gonna how it's gonna happen." Damn you, Charlie! <laughs> you let Tony in this podcast, and now he's just ruining everything with his ideas, <laughs> all his thinks. So one thing that I liked about this movie, and I'm not sure everyone likes this about this movie. Like I was telling Tony earlier before we started recording that of the three Iron Mans, I think Iron Man 1 is the critical darling. Iron Man 2 is the one that most people are like, yeah, it's not very good. Or at least as far as MCU movies goes, it's not very good, which kind of shows you like how high the bar is for MCU movies. Because, you know, even Charlie gave it like, what, a 6.5 or something? Yeah, so <laughs> that's already above half. Um and Iron Man 3 is what I would call the underrated movie in that I think Iron Man 3 attracts more, I don't want to say diehard fans, but a lot of people who are like, that movie was really good. I don't understand why people don't rate it higher or something like that. I think the answer is because not everyone feels the way that we feel. But so I'm going to out myself as an Iron Man 3 stan. Am I using that right? Yeah. Iron yeah. Stan 3. Iron Stan 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is all a long way of saying that I really enjoy the part where Iron Man 3 essentially loses all his stuff and has to make do on his, like, intelligence, right? But the point is that, like, he can't rely on the suits or the technology anymore, right? He has to, you know, be cleverer than that. I So that whole sequence in um, Tennessee, and then kind of continuing on more or less through the whole movie, although he gets some of the tech back, right? Like, I actually really like that because it demonstrates that Tony Stark is not the suit, Right. It's not he's not it's not like without the suit, he's nothing like, no, he's still Tony frickin' Stark. He's still really and smart and clever. I like that stuff. Yeah, I'd say outside of Ben Kingsley, I totally agree. That was my favorite part of the movie. And it has this really sort of interesting Western vibe to it, too, where like he picks up the poncho and starts wearing that around and the kids wearing a cowboy hat. And it's this sort of small town and they got the water tower. And so I thought it was kind of like I a thought nice about that. But yeah. Yeah, sort of like a nice little intermission from the usual uh, spectacle that is the rest of the movie. Although there's a lot of spectacle there, too. But it also made me realize yeah. this movie is supposed to take place during Christmas, I guess. <laughs> Which wasn't really clear this until is a Christmas towards later. Movie. All those poor Tennesseans didn't have running water for Christmas. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, what do you think the people in Chattanooga thought about this movie? They really acted yeah. like Chattanooga was just some kind of like Perry or something. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> it was yeah. like, it's a big city. Yeah. <laughs> like they were taking some shots at the, the people of Chattanooga. Uh, Chattanooga apparently was not happy. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what do you think? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Paul, Paul was upset. I was like, they're really throwing them under the bus. <laughs> this was one of the that... things I said I would bring up. <laughs> that would explain why they filmed the, this movie in North Carolina. The, uh, not in Tennessee. Yeah, you you have to go to North Carolina, like to go to like Western North Carolina to get the kind of thing they were looking for. So here's here's the quote from the Chattanooga area Chamber of Commerce: For those who plan to hit theaters to catch Iron Man three, keep an eye out for the inaccurate depiction of Chattanooga, Tennessee. In the movie, Iron Man had a hard time with a slow internet connection. If Iron Man had visited the real Chattanooga, he would have been saving the world with the help of the first American city to offer gigasecond internet speeds, which Chattanooga has made available to every home and business across a 600-square-mile service area since 2010. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Public fiber Chattanooga. Woke AF Chattanooga. Yeah. We need to cancel Iron Man. <laughs> that's what this this podcast is really all about we're canceling robert downey jr and all it's, of marvel anyone connected well, to this movie well the the problem is that he hijacked a news van and used the satellite uplink 
Yeah, no, uh, like it's clear to me what the problem is. I don't know why Chattanooga got their <laughs> panties on lunch. <laughs> Clearly, Tony Stark should have invaded someone's home and used their internet. <laughs> and been very impressed by it. <laughs> Tony yeah. Stark got this software to work in Chattanooga in a satellite van. <laughs> With wow, Sun Microsystems slash Oracle. Oh. <laughs> Adam, Adam sounds actually, like Buttigieg uh, on the freaking uh, campaign trail. I was trying to be uh, Jeff Bridges in Iron Man 1. Oh, God. Uh, speaking of Iron Man 1, I like the uh, the joke about a Christmas story, oh, given God. that the actor who played, who actually played the kid in a Christmas story was in Iron Man 1. Yeah. I didn't remember that. Literally Did worked about for that? Tony Stark. <laughs> What do you mean you didn't know that? We've talked about that like four times now. <laughs> it comes up all the time. Oh, that's how many times it takes for me to remember. Yeah, same. My mind's like a steel trap that catches things on the fourth try. <laughs> so a sieve. Yeah, that's that's mine like a sieve, Charlie. <laughs> My mind's like a steel trap. You have to remind me 10, uh, 14, <laughs> oh, 14 times. Traps are targeted. They don't catch everything. Uh, they, catch they catch what you're looking for. Yeah, that's why no trap in the world has ever failed. Uh, well, okay. If you design so, a trap... It's too big to fail. If, if you design a oh. trap to catch a lobster, but you make it the size for crawdads, then you catch crawdads. You know? What the hell are we talking about? Charlie, back to you. <laughs> Uh oh yeah, Chattanooga. All right. Uh so Yeah. <laughs> Get us back on track, Charlie. Does it does it really have like a beauty pageant, you know, like Oh right. Does anyone really have a beauty pageant like that anymore? Yeah. Pat Stanley. No, that's true. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Being kind of a <laughs> That was in character. It's a real horned up Stanley. Stanley's can we film this somewhere else is... cameo? <laughs> This Chattanooga is absolutely still a thing, by the way. Okay. And the swimwear all has to be white. Apparently, it's, it looks like it's a subset of Miss Tennessee, which, you know, not surprising. Do they do it at Christmas time? Apparently, in 2018, Miss Chattanooga represented Tennessee. Nice. Uh, no, these all look like, uh, well, yeah, no, it looks like February dates, kind of what it looks like. I'm seeing lots of uh, different colors of swimsuits. Well, we don't know. Maybe there was a theme that year. Yeah. Definitely a blonde theme going. Anyway, uh, I also thought that um, you know, usually in like movies like this, you hate the like kid sidekick, but I actually thought Ty Simpkins was pretty good. Like I, I bought the relationship between him and Tony. Yeah, yeah, I liked, I liked that. Yeah, and that they went for humor rather than sentimentality with the relationship. Right, and in, and in fact, the moments when they try to go for sentimentality, like they like immediately undercut it with like that. Are you guilt tripping me? <laughs> yeah. Which actually makes it work you know, better. I'm thinking where's my sandwich? Like it actually makes you feel like they have a relationship that they might right. actually, he, a child might actually have with Tony Stark. I'm cold. I know. You know how I know? Cause we're connected. Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I like that. And we've got a, uh, you know, kind of device with, Getting a little tiresome in the uh, in our march, which is that no, it's not. Is... Say it again, restate it. You're not tired of this. So Wait, something else that sure happens we're very tired fre- of. Maybe he's right. <laughs> something that happens very frequently in our march. We have a uh, technology developed by a an underappreciated scientist that goes awry because they're spurned in some way. And actually, very good technology that maybe if they worked on a little bit more, maybe they need to go back and look at this. Wait, who's helped a lot of people? Who's spurned in this? Uh, Guy Pierce Aldrich at the beginning. I mean, he hasn't didn't have a funding taken. Not away. his technology. It's not his. I'm then Rebecca Hall, but she's not spurned. She just chose to to work with AIM. You're right. There, the it's, it's a twist. Guy. It's a twist on our yeah, common but, theme. The uh, scientists see, need to be stopped. <laughs> clearly, I mean that's true, and I guess they did inject themselves with it. Clearly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, okay. No, I just know that Charlie frequently states things in negative words when he doesn't mean them to be negative terminology. Uh, so I was just, yeah. I was just body checking him there. <laughs> Verbal body check. <laughs> Doug. Yes. 
What is your favorite scene that we have not discussed yet in this movie? Whew. If um, there is one. I mean, geez, if we're talking favorite scene, this movie is a movie that feels like it's built around set pieces. I would say one of them, we'll go with more memorable scenes, was uh, when Iron Man is uh, saving all of the people who are falling out of Air Force One. Apparently those are highly skilled, highly trained skydivers. Like, that was a real stunt they were doing. Yeah, we, yeah, I noticed that. Like, it was like, there was, they cut to one shot and I was like, those people, those are people falling through the air right now. We started doing <laughs> math over here. Yeah, we're, we're, we're looking up terminal velocity, of trying humans. to figure out how much time they have. <laughs> yeah. So apparently CG in that scene was only used to add clouds, the plane, um, to Madden, Florida, because they did it in North Carolina, um, to replace the Iron Man stand-in with actual Iron Man. And then says they had to combine some takes together, so they did some digital composition. But but basically, yeah, like the actual stunt is real. And I agree with Doug. That's a great scene. Yeah. Like very memorable. Like just the way it starts and builds where he's like, how many are there? 13. How many can I carry? Four. And he has to work out on the fly how to do this. Like that's a great scene. Charlie, rebuttal. Uh, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I could tell. Yeah. Rebuttal is that? uh, No, Charlie. Charlie, rebut. You got to rebut it. (laughs) Charlie's rebuttal is that some of the people couldn't swim. (laughs) He just doomed them. I mean, (laughs) even like a medium help each other out. Even a medium swimmer, like in a full suit, you know. Oh, that'd be tough. That's that's scary. But they all seemed fine. They were all excited. Well, they just passed a boat, right? So presumably, people will. Like, they're in an area where they can be rescued, I think, reasonably easily. And clearly they were happy, right? They were cheering him. Yeah. Yeah, Charlie. Yeah, they, they had enough energy. <laughs> yeah, Charlie, they were all cheering. What do you get? None what of them were like, F you, I can't swim. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, if you couldn't, then the boat might not help, you know. Unless, unless there's a trained lifeguard in the bunch, maybe. I, I, won't, like, I won't say anything negative about it, but I will add something I also liked, which is that or I didn't see the surprise coming of Tony Stark not actually being in the Iron Man suit and controlling it remotely. I like that touch. Oh, yeah. I had forgotten about that. Yeah, I did, too. Yeah, that was good. Although it made me wonder where he had been keeping that headset. <laughs> I was like, how did he get that? Oh, whatever. Okay. It doubles as a cop. The scene that I actually enjoyed um, was when Tony Stark... Is tied to that, I don't know, it's like kind of like a bed or whatever bed with frame, those yeah. guys. Bed the bed frame, yeah. And he's like summoning his suit and he's like, I'm gonna kill you first. And he go and he's like, Whoopa! And like mm-hmm. nothing happens. And then all of a sudden his suit starts to come to him. I don't know. I, I, I really enjoyed that scene. Like it was like kind of like a oh look, everything's coming together and it's all coming out Millhouse. <laughs> you know, he was really lucky that he got like an arm and a leg. Because he only got a couple at first. Right. It would have been really unfortunate if he'd gotten, like, the crotch plate. Yeah, just <laughs> cod piece. Like, what are you going to do now? <laughs> <laughs> it's time to S-I-D. I'm going to. You guys really... are really f- now. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to recite some Shakespeare to you guys. <laughs> I also really like the button of that scene. Where the one henchman's like, honestly, I hate working here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're so weird. <laughs> like that individual moment might be my favorite moment of the movie. <laughs> Paul, it, it reminded Paul of uh, Owen Wilson. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. In, in Shanghai Noon when he's like, these guns are weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also I liked it when he called that one guy Ponytail Express. Oh, <laughs> I, can, I can really identify <laughs> with that. <laughs> and also to, to link back to what Adam said about the uh, the Chattanooga scenes, I liked how he had to fight with just parts of his suit in this scene. So instead of him being at full power, we're like, oh, he just has the glove or he just has, you know, the leg piece at this point and has to navigate the room and do all sorts of crazy things. I thought that was kind of that was a really fun action sequence. Yeah. Paul, you got a moment you want to shout out for? I, I think just in general, I think it was, uh, I enjoyed when they talked about, you know, a flight plan to Tennessee 
and then all of a sudden he's you know dropped in Tennessee upon waking up. I thought that was a cool moment, you know, and a good way to change, you know, a nice fun way to to change the scenery. Yeah, I was just happy <laughs> that they had they had issued a flight plan to the FAA, you know. And yeah, really I assume followed. that's what that's that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. followed all protocols yeah. and uh, standard operating procedures. Mm-hmm. So they knew he was he was headed that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which then also made me wonder um, why the FAA didn't get the military involved when those helicopters started attacking the mansion. Well, I was just thinking about that. I was like, oh, well, maybe, the, you know, when the vice president is, oh, is I, on your side, maybe he had he some, has some strings pull. to pull, yeah. maybe. Oh, fair enough, okay. That's how they could get past, you know, that's why the, I would, you know, I don't know how quick it is to mount a military response against attack helicopters on, like, a civilian's home. I don't know. In they said but. they could have F-22s <laughs> in 30 seconds. Exactly. Yeah, the vice president said it out of his mouth. Oh. Right. Well, then. then there No way he was lying in that scene where he lied. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Charlie, are you coming up with a rebuttal? <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like there's a there's a few air bases around Malik, but... Um, there's nothing like directly in Malibu. So like there's one in LA, there's one at Channel Islands. Well, that's a National Guard station. So it's basically the Los Angeles Air Force Base is the closest one. So depending on how long it takes them to, you know, get going and, you know, get up in the air, it's possible that, you know, they just didn't have the time, right? It might just take them like five minutes or so because how long did that attack actually last right it probably only lasted like in real time it was just yeah probably just a few minutes yeah so now that doesn't explain that doesn't explain explain why they weren't kind of scrambled in the first place yeah like like given he had threatened a terrorist But, Wouldn't yeah. they have shown up on radar and, and everything else? I'm yeah. sorry. Like, yeah, oh, they, no, because they they looked exactly like the news helicopters until they folded out the the missiles from the side of them. Yeah, the news. So you'd think they'd need permission. Flight, <laughs> yeah, the news helicopters that issued a flight plan. Well, uh, they count how many there were. Oh, there's. Hey, you know, we didn't tell you you could have this many helicopters, yeah, exactly. and they'd be like, "That's not us." Yeah, Maybe they oh. were shadowing the news team so that the you know the blip didn't look. It just looked like an echo rather than a separate blip. I always love Perhaps. how we have to get like deep in the weeds in some of these episodes. <laughs> that's like, probably how would this work? I feel like that's my that I've been doing that a lot lately. I, I that's my main contribution. Yes, yeah. is uh, getting into the weeds on at least a few scenes. Yeah. Charlie, Charlie brings up Shield. Paul gets into the weeds. <laughs> yeah, where, where was Shield here? They're supposed to be in the beginning. Be like... <laughs> yeah, in the beginning. They, no, they, I meant they, why didn't they, they stop the Shield helicopters? Records. Clearly, they had a failure in their intelligence. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! You want Shield now? <laughs> you just can't tell with this guy, Charlie. <laughs> I need to hear it from you. You want S.H.I.E.L.D. now? Well, if they're going to be here, I want them to do their job. (laughs) If they're going to exist, at least be consistent. (laughs) What are they doing? Like, they should have known about all of this from the start. (laughs) Yeah. Like, they have, you know, the most powerful intelligence apparatus. I'm going to say something. I'm with Charlie on this. <laughs> more shield. More shield. More shield. <laughs> no, no, not necessarily more. Just like if shield was better, they would have been more involved. I don't know what the heck they were doing. Maybe they were preventing some disaster that wasn't that they didn't make a movie about oh. because there wasn't a big thing. I guess their base did get you destroyed. Know, you never in, hear uh... about the successful. <laughs> oh, now Charlie's coming up with excuses. For yeah, a lot of their stuff I got mean, destroyed got in the it. Avengers. <laughs> Oh, they were they were picking up the pieces. That's true. Maybe um, whatever Gary Shandling's character from Iron Man two just like intervened before they could, you know, send some agents out. They were like, "Oh, Tony Stark's under attack," and like Gary Shandling's like, "Oh no, we we took care of it. Don't worry." Mm. And then he said the secret code word that got them to stand down. So yeah, I think that's the best the best fan theory I've heard so far as to why this movie wasn't prevented. <laughs> 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 You always gotta think, you always gotta figure out Why what allowed who allowed these events to happen. 
I thought that was a big ending. A, I, no, I thought that was actually a large part of the theme of this movie was these events were allowed to happen because Tony was uh, a playboy who just sort of brushed people off, didn't care. And they went on to do their own actually, thing, yeah, which that, turned out true. to be getting really upset with him. Yeah. It's just pettiness. Yeah. Huh. I tried, Charlie. Sorry. And he'll be paying for it the rest of his life. Just a flashback he doesn't remember for every movie. Oh, shoot. <laughs> it's like, my name is Earl. <laughs> if anyone's ever seen that. <laughs> I have <laughs> watched more of that show than I've... I've... I've seen Dude, Where's My Car? Can you fit it in that paradigm? Oh, yeah, it's like that. It's like that, but, but every day. What about <laughs> Ernest Goes to Camp? Can you put it in there? <laughs> um, <laughs> the camp is like Miami here, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Man is Ernest. So is Ernest. The blade. So the, so is the stone Gwen and the arrow Vern? The powers of Iron Man suit. Or is or is James Rhodey Vern? No, the camera is still Vern here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it's Jarvis. Got it. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Vern. The so hyper- it's quite an ending to this movie, <laughs> hey? <laughs> Vern is <laughs> Yes, I, I thought, yeah, the ending was a really cool uh, set piece. I like how they took the opportunity, so like Charlie was kind of saying, you know, to show like all the various different suits that he'd made maybe somewhat to sell toys, although I don't actually know how many toys were made of the Iron Man 3 suits. But it almost feels more like, here's the various suits that Tony's made in the comics over the years. We're never going to feature these in movies proper, so we'll just give them like a small scene here or there. And I, I, I just, you know, I like that. And then, you know, there's a lot of action happening and jumping around. Yeah, we get some uh, Tony Stark, Rhodey back and forth, which I always appreciate. and wish there was just more of. You know, maybe... Two or three times as much as there is in each movie. They get a little bit together and like, oh, there should be more of this. It did feel like the scenes that were that in this movie were very, very much buddy cop scenes. Like it very much was like, ah, yes, this is this is Shane Black. Right. (laughs) He's definitely writing and directing this. Does he does he have a history of buddy cop movies? Didn't he write Lethal Weapon? Oh, really? Pretty sure. Yes. Oh, okay. I I I think Adam said he did. Did he direct the nice guys? Which is the same sort of thing. Yeah, subsequently. Oh, yeah. I yeah. really I really liked that movie. I should check it Enjoyable out. Enjoyable movie. Yeah. I like The Man from Uncle better personally, but one of like buddy movies. But but the nice guys was entertaining. Uh and then Pepper Potts gets to save the day. Multiple after times. being after being, yeah. you know, the stereotypical female kidnapped motivation. Mm-hmm. She at least gets a little agency. I mean, there was also the uh you know, the classic uh president damsel in distress as well in the in this yeah that's true that's true <laughs> as we you saw know, this, this in, uh, was not a cap 1990 captain america president <laughs> yeah yeah i guess the 1990 captain america president was at least somewhat useful he was punching people out <laughs> yeah yeah i guess to add him to tie it back to what we we're saying near the beginning with the stuff that's like almost seemingly problematic you're right it kind of tries to redeem itself at the end like in the last movie Tony Stark was like, oh, you could be CEO of the company and just take control of it. And so she gets some agency there. And then, yeah, it's very much damsel in distress for most of this movie. Like, oh, you were helpless, but you have magical powers now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) And the only other female character really being a woman who has slept with Tony Stark also. (laughs) Oh, come on. That's just everyone. Yeah, that's true. Male or female. I'm I'm not convinced you haven't slept with Tony Stark. Wait, I know I have. I, no, 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 that's not that's not Tony Stark. He told me it was Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the only part of that scene that really bothered me is that I actually thought Killian himself at the end was pretty boring when he just starts punching. Like I was kind of ready for that part to be over. Like he keeps coming back. I'm like, okay, like let's move on. Somebody stop him already. I like Guy Pierce, and I even kind of like his performance here, but I his character is kind of boring by the time you really get down to it. 
Well, I think he's interesting as sort of the master manipulator. I think right, he's yeah. not very interesting as the punch-o-matic. Right, right. 9,000. All right. So f- after that last action sequence happens, there's Tony Stark blowing up all of the different Iron Man suits and then all of the voiceover and short scenes that follow. I, the, I didn't really have tons of problems with this movie until then because I couldn't figure out, is the movie trying to say anything about his growth as a character there because it seems like okay he blows up all his suits and so that's him destroying the past and kind of moving on and then we see him just like gather up all the stuff as if he's going to just do the same stuff he's always been doing like he's going to rebuild his lab and he's just going to make more suits i'm like what are we supposed to gather from that and then like them taking the shrapnel out of him too like why didn't he he didn't do that before because he wanted to remember that it was there i it just was very confusing. I didn't know what the message there was supposed to be or how it fit into the rest of the movie at all. He met his deductible that year <laughs> because of all the injuries from this movie so he could afford to get the shrapnel finally removed. All right. Quest- question withdrawn, <laughs> Doug. <laughs> so I think what it's meant to show is that it shows his growth in that he no longer needs to be Iron Man. Um, so like before he felt like he needed to be Iron Man. And so part of that involved keeping the thing in his chest because that he, you know, he felt he needed that to be Iron Man. And so the idea is he blows up the suits cause he's realized he doesn't or decided however you want to put it, that he doesn't need to be Iron Man anymore. He can get rid of the shrap- shrapnel in his chest because it's 2013, right? It's not 1963. Like we have the technology to actually do this now. Right. Like part of the problem with the comics, right, is that he has that shrapnel in his chest forever because they basically keep saying it's such a delicate operation that they would kill him if they tried. Also, there's the whole like secret identity. No one knows Tony Stark is Iron Man goes on for like 30 years. But anyway, so I think it's just showing like he says, yeah, I don't need to be Iron Man anymore. But uh, what I am is the mechanic. So that's why I'm still sort of taking the tools and stuff. I just don't I'm not dependent on it anymore. Oh, so he wants to be Iron Man. He doesn't need to be Iron Man? Yeah, something like that. I mean, the thing you're sort of hinting at that we're kind of dodging, but is, yeah, the problem with this movie is that Tony Stark continues to appear in future movies as (laughs) Iron Man. (laughs) It's like, seriously, Pepper, I'm done with this. You'll never be in harm's way again, except that you will. If you were viewing the Iron Man movies as a trilogy standalone, then I think it would make more sense. Than yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, by the way, he's going to be showing up in Avengers 2 and Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a reasonably good explanation of it. I'll buy that because there are a lot of scenes, the ones we specifically liked and talked about earlier, where he's showing that he doesn't need. It's not necessarily the suit or it's in part the suit or it's really his ingenuity that's. That's the word I was trying to use like 40 minutes ago. <laughs> ingenuity. So one thing I want to talk about before we wrap up is that we we actually watched a little bit beyond the, just the movie and that we watched the Marvel one-shot called All Hail the King, written and directed by Drew Pierce, who uh, was the co-author of Iron Man 3. Um, we've been skipping the one-shots up to this point. There have been like three or four, I think, up to this point. And then this is about the last of the official one-shots because the ones previously just aren't that uh, directly relevant they're like either like cute side stories that happened you know along the way or in something that happened in the intervening time one's basically just the pilot for the agent carter series which is you know cool it's it's, it's actually really well done and you can see why they made an agent carter series but it's more about agent carter so we'll get to it in our 90s when we do the mary marvel television march but <laughs> 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 Don't hold your no. breath, audience. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Completely futile. It's for our descendants. Yeah. <laughs> That's for Celeste to handle. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even make it through all of the Netflix Marvels. Yeah, I haven't finished those yet. But All Hail the King is, I think, one of two one-shots that we may actually watch on the podcast. Because part of me kind of wants to do Team Thor as well, down the line. All Hail the King is interesting because it actually walks back some of the decisions that happened in Iron Man 3 regarding the Mandarin. So, All Hail the King, in case you haven't seen it, it's available on the Thor The Dark World Blu-ray and probably DVD. So, if you haven't seen it, I guess I wouldn't be that surprised as a result. 
ooh, sick dark world burn. Um, <laughs> but basically it shows Trevor Slattery in prison. So after the events of this movie, and then he's getting interviewed about his life a little bit, and then we see some of the time that he spends in prison. But the interesting thing about it is that Although Iron Man 3 at one point, right, as we mentioned earlier, Killian's like, oh, I'm the Mandarin. I've been controlling everything. And then they just, like, don't explore that any further. I think just basically to explain, like, well, wait, if the Ten Rings was in Iron Man 1, why is it here? Bruh? And the this the one shot basically says, well, no, that was actually a real thing. Well, actually. Yes, this <laughs> well actually is Iron Man 3. <laughs> And the reason I bring that up is because, as I mentioned earlier, the Ten Rings are coming up in an upcoming Marvel movie, uh, the third Phase 4 movie, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Man, but, you, keep, you keep mentioning that, and all I can think of is Ariana Grande. I mean, it's three rings off, but still. Oh, got it. I was like, Shang-Chi, Grande. <laughs> you know, I felt like Zach Galifianakis in The Hangover, right? Like, trying to put all the pieces together, but... <laughs> <laughs> um but setting that aside the fact that it actually sort of matters and that it walks that back i actually think it's a pretty fun little film oh yeah more ben kingsley please <laughs> my favorite part of the other of uh, iron man 3 so i was very very happy to watch 14 minutes of it i like that it had sam rockwell <laughs> yeah that was nice like sam rockwell. yeah <laughs> it was a it was a fun callback to iron man 2 yeah i just basically like how they gave sam rockwell just the opportunity to like riff for like couple minutes because that's what it felt like was they were just like just come up with stuff we'll give you some ideas to get started go nuts yeah i feel like whenever i see that in these marvel movies i'm always very pleasantly surprised and happy when they give the actors the opportunity to do that i uh i especially liked that um the pilot uh the tape of the pilot for his show (laughs) 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 which uh fun fact caged heat was the uh, name of the working title of Iron Man Three. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah the 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 fake name they filmed it under so that people wouldn't go. Oh, it's Iron Man Three. Yeah, I don't know who the um actually portions of it are trying to accommodate. Like, I'm sure that at least for me, by the time we get to the movie that you're talking about, I wouldn't have cared or even thought back to this. But it was a fun diversion anyway. I'm happy that it exists. Uh, I'm pretty sure that you would have brought it up. You'd have been like, okay. Wait, so back in Iron Man 3, they said that the Mandarin was fake. So what is this? <laughs> because I'm sure the movie won't take the time to explain that at all. No, they'll, they'll just they'll just have a single throwaway line about, uh, you know, pretenders to the throne. And that'll be it. They'll make you watch a uh, Disney Plus series to understand. Oh, screw mm. you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what'd you think of the movie? Would you, uh, I don't know, would would you meet it in its room and have a one-night stand with it, or would you leave it up on the roof while everyone's having a real party on New Year's Eve? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's kind of a weird binary choice you've set up for us. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess I'm just trying to ask how many christmas ornament hand grenades out of 10 would you give this movie i really enjoyed it um you know i think there's there's a lot of things that uh tried to do and did well that the other iron men movies didn't do like uh kind of exploring his ptsd and kind of you know his obsession with building the suits and him just in general spending a little more time outside of the suit it it gets points for trying something a little different I thought the set pieces were great. Yeah, I don't don't uh, have a whole lot of qualms with it. Um, so I, I'm going to go with eight Christmas ornament hand grenades out of ten. Because um, I don't think it, to me, it wasn't necessarily quite as memorable as Iron Man 1. But I enjoyed it more than two. So right in the middle there. Yeah, Paul brings up a point that I... We, I guess we talked about a little bit, but we didn't really talk about, which is just that, yeah, I like that the movie actually took on board to some extent the events of the Avengers. It wasn't just like, oh, an exciting adventure happened, and then they moved on to the next issue, right? Like, there actually were some consequences, so I appreciated that. Yeah, it's just a lot of entertaining set pieces. Um, some of them are just, like, really, really good. And, and yeah, I like 
being able to see Tony Stark as Tony Stark, not just relying on the Iron Man suit. I know, I know that sounds like praise, and a, but I'm not going to give it a perfect rating. I could probably just find things to quibble if I wanted. But I think I'm just more kind of with Paul, just like trying to slot it in between the Iron Man movies. Because, yeah, it's not quite as good as the first one, but it's better than the second one. And I'm going to put it at 8.5 uh, exploding Christmas ornament hand grenades. I guess they're exploding now. So I guess that the half ones that is a dud didn't go off. Um, so that for me puts it about the same level as like the Avengers. And yeah, that feels about right to me right now. So yeah, 8.5. I think Adam explaining a little bit what he thinks the ending of the movie means helped me out a bit. Kind of understanding what the theme of this movie is supposed to be about. Tony Stark trying to figure out like, does he have an identity outside of this suit? Like whatever his plans for the future. And I, mean, I guess the movie at some point even towards the end kind of explicitly states that. But um, I think there's also a lot of parts of the movie that don't really add to that at all or are kind of contradictory to it. So as much as I appreciate it trying to do that and wait, I really wait, enjoyed wait, all wait, the wait, scenes. Wait, that wait. What? You, you, you can't bring up stuff like that. What's contradictory to it? You can't just slip that in there. Uh, Defend your thesis. Where at the end, he's gathering up all of his equipment and... I just get the impression that like nothing you don't really get the impression that anything's going to change like why does anything change because he suddenly decides at the end it should wait so I explained this and you said okay I buy that and now you're backtracking I buy that as potential motivation but why or as a potential explanation for what's going on here but why does he change because he just decides to at the end yeah because he realizes he doesn't need the to be he doesn't need yeah. to be Iron Man yeah. he's not dependent on he can do stuff without having to be the suit so here's what i'll say the parts of the movie that we liked the best were the parts that hammered that home right the scenes in chattanooga the scene where he's fighting with like half the iron man suit um and i just wish that i guess more of the movie had done that i I don't definitely don't like as much as iron man one i definitely like it better than iron man 2 um oh yeah and of course like ben kingsley is fantastic i still really like don Cheadle here there's lots of like individual components to like about this movie so i'm gonna give it uh 7.5 hand grenades out of 10 so that half of a hand grenade is i guess the one he throws at the guy who's already drowning in the fountain (laughs) that was kind of a brutal kill there i'm assuming he killed that guy all right that's your lowest acceptable rating where i'm not gonna yell at you good job (laughs) 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 if you drifted down to seven i've been like come on now (laughs) I could not give this simply half of a rating better than Iron Man 2. It's better than that. Well, you could have given it like an 8 or something. Yeah, right? that's yes. true. That's true. That fits right in there. But You could have been like, this is as good as Thor. Yeah. But no, nope, you were like, this is as good as Captain America, the first Avenger. So therefore, perfect. <laughs> 7.5, Charlie's perfect score. Anyway, I've, I've said my piece. Well... Like I said, this movie feels like it's very much a lot of set pieces and, you know, some some s- slick screenwriting with the buddy cop type stuff. And we didn't really talk about it, but the CGI is almost excellent. Like, there's still some stuff where it's just very good. Really, I'm not knocking it for it. It's just like, you know, I'm just kind of like, you know, hoping for the a little bit further where we get to CGI where it's like, yeah, this is amazing. I didn't really feel like there was much heart to this movie. Like it was pretty much just kind of a, almost like a paint by numbers character study of Tony Stark dealing with his problems. I don't know. It just, just felt a little lacking there. So I'm going to give it eight exploding Christmas ornaments out of 10. And now it's time for the big moment you've all been waiting for. Mr. Tony Hoff. Uh, thank you very much. Yes. Uh, spaghetti and meatballs. Uh, mm. Yes. Time for our segment. Tony on Tony. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Tony on Tony. I always love a, a good uh, Tony Stark processing. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, I don't know. This this movie is kind of interesting for me because, like, I just find the the first part of the movie so boring. And I know, Adam, you really like it because it, like, kind of talks about Tony Stark's character and, like, it's more about the person behind the suit rather than, or excuse me, the person that's in the suit rather than just, like, the suit and everything, right? There's, like, heart behind that. But I just, the the two times I've watched it, like, the first part has just been awful, but it's redeemed by the end where there's just, like, a lot of uh, action 
and I'm really like on the edge of my seat. I do think it's better than the second one. Um, so I'm going to give it 8.5 exploding Christmas uh, bulbs. Because I because I do think that the ending is it, like there there's some there there is a takeaway for that and uh, and I really do enjoy it. But I do think I like Iron Man one better. And we were kind of talking in the middle of the movie about whether or not this one was, you know, kind of like the would you say Paul the the darling of of the trilogy? But I, I really like the first one the, the most. So that's my score. All right, that's a uh, pretty consistent. So, sorry, I just realized I got to do some math here. 7.5 divided by 9. Charlie gave this an 8.3. Yeah, so <laughs> we're all in line. <laughs> so, thanks everyone for joining us on our 39th Merry Marvel Movie March installment. Uh, we're going to jump forward to the end of July 2013 for... Uh, I just, I'm just i just going to keep saying exciting. There's got to be something better. Ooh, visceral? No. Hmm underrated well we don't know that movie (laughs) (laughs) Mm. i like movie that's it 2013 movie the wolverine (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) so thanks for listening i'm adam gobeski and i'm charlie wallace and a special thanks to our um threesome guests our threesome guests uh tony huff thank you very much Doug Gobeski. Great time, as always. And Paul Wilcox. It's been a pleasure. Oh, shoot, I forgot to mention, this is the first of the Merry Marvel Movie March Madness episodes. Oh, yeah, hooray. So, Wolverine's coming up, we're like, right next. Oh, right now, guys, wait, let's watch. Wait, when's... <laughs> Does <laughs> mean that we're recording an episode on Wolverine in just a couple weeks? Like, right now. Oh, shoot, I haven't rented it. Get your discs out, boys. (laughs) Oh, no. Wow, get your discs out. (laughs) Synchronized discs. (laughs) Put my discs on the table. (laughs) (laughs) Letting them breathe. (laughs) Face up or face down? One each. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to our show. Make sure to check out our website at GobeskiWalshReport.com. Hey everybody, check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Just follow us at GW Report and like our page on Facebook, the Gobeski Wallace Report. And hey everybody, tune in to next episode where there's sure to be tons more hilarity that we know you'll enjoy. Hey everybody. You know, a different African American, and call him Ellis. Like I could understood that, but just like, having uh, like, like maybe Dennis Haysbert, the guy yeah. from Twenty Four. Oh, that guy. Yeah, the the uh, I think he's Allstate. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah the the president. Hurts most likely. Yeah, Dennis Haysbert. Okay. How'd you just have a dentist at your fingertips like that? That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was fake because it was Dennis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's the I was, president I was about from twenty four. I was like Dennis. Oh, uh, see, I haven't. I don't. I don't. Did know you that guys not watch twenty four? No, no, not really. No. Did you even really live through the Bush years in that case? No. <laughs> uh, what happened in the Bush years? Oh my goodness! Guess I was at in college. Yeah, mm. that's in high school. Yeah. Well, depending on what part of the Bush years we're talking about. Uh, all of them. You were in high school for eight years. Yep. Okay, cool.